Welcome to Vancouver Island University's Mahalaspina Theatre's podcast, recorded in our beautiful lobby. Every episode, we hope to feature a different format, offering the widest possible cultural conversation and to discover what's important to our ever-changing program of emerging artists and create discussions that are important to our community. We would like to acknowledge and thank the Stanemo, Kuatsen, Tleiman, Snainoes, and Qualcomm First Nation, on whose traditional lands we teach, learn, research, live, and share knowledge. Blessed with Beauty and Rage, Chapter 2, A New Dawn. The world is lost to shadow. There is nothing but darkness. The night sky is devoid of stars and the moon is concealed by somber clouds. The rhythmic echo of the horse's thunderous hooves against the soft forest floor is Ira's only indication that she had still not crossed the border out of Vitoya. Her mind is scattered, a swirling storm of blood, fire, and carnage. She struggles, trying desperately to wipe away the dried crimson smeared across her face. The stench of death lingering in her nostrils, twisting her insides into knots. She wanted to be sick, to fall from her saddle and expel all that she carried inside. She felt her captor's hands tighten around her, his leather-gloved hands creaking against the horse's reins. Ira collapsed into the horse's mane and closed her eyes. With a shuddering breath, she is greeted by visions of agony, the sound of clashing steel, and the murderous eyes of the rebel soldiers. Ira sits back, unable to get comfortable in the saddle. Her hands are bound tightly in front of her. She grips the saddle horn strongly with both hands and swallows hard, wishing she could remove the black cloth woven around her eyes. Her captor's hands rest firmly against her hips, his warm breath tickling the nape of her neck, causing Ira's cheeks to grow flush. Ira had never been so close to a man before. It was improper and imprudent. How dare this vile barbarian give himself the honor? Biting her cheeks shamefully, she holds back tears. What would her father think? He would be enraged. He would take up his sword and sever this villainous beast's head. Then believing Ira to be consumed by this man's wicked nature would douse her in holy water. How silly everything seemed now. The troops bring the horses to a halt and Ira's heart sinks deep in her gut. They had been riding for at least a day or so by now. By the time she had regained consciousness, the world behind the blindfold had been dark, and now Ira could see the morning light shining through the fabric's edges. Her capture leans close to her, his lips brushing against her ear. I know you don't trust me, my lady, but I assure you it's detrimental that you do. Can you do that for me? Ira feels his body relax, his hands going slack against her legs. Perhaps he did not wish to scare her anymore. Yes, I can. Good. Goosebumps appear in Ira's arms. She is freezing, starving, covered in blood and exhausted. What choice did she have? The saddle creaks, slipping a little as he dismounts. Ira sits still, doing her best to stay balanced. The man reaches up, taking Ira by the hips. How dare this filthy animal place his hands upon her? Did he have no honor? Did he believe her to be some common whore? He lifts her from the horse, setting her on the ground with ease. I can give you whatever you want. Riches, power, land, just name your price. 
Ira pleads, her legs numb from the long journey. Unbalanced, she wobbles on her feet. Please, just let me go. I won't tell anyone, I promise. It's not my decision, princess. You're begging the wrong person. Do you really believe I'll just let you go? After everything we did to get you in the first place? You're not going anywhere. Ira freezes. What could these rebels possibly require from her? All right, men, let's disembark. A man bellows. Ira gulps nervously, the hair on the back of her neck rising. What did they mean by disembark? Were they no longer in the forest? Where had they taken her? Curse this blindfold, she thought. Be mindful. There are a lot of stairs here and it's steep. I'm going to guide you down. The man interlocks his arm around hers and moves towards the cliff's edge. Down? Ira breathes nervously. Only a few feet in front of Ira, the opening at the base of the mountain plummets into a sharp descent into the earthy caves below. As her capture leads her closer to the stone steps, she feels a powerful gust of wind. Though she is unable to see it, Ira could sense the emptiness. It was a free fall to certain death. The man squeezes her arm supportively, leading her down the first narrow step. That's it. I've got you. It was a slow, agonizing climb, and the deeper they went, the darker it became. The sun's golden rays fade from Ira's eyesight, like a fire's dying ember. As she reaches for the next step, her heel catches in a crack. Expecting to fall off the cliff's edge, she gropes for her captor, her breath catching in her throat. Steady. The man growls, gripping her arm painfully. Uh, Ira stammers. She could hear the apprehension of the soldiers behind them. Little whispers of discontent ring through the darkness. Please, don't let me fall. His hands hold her firmly in place. I won't, princess. Now reclaim your balance. You only have a few dozen steps left. When they finally reach the bottom of the cavern, Ira is greeted with pale yellow light. Lanterns. She thought. How deep have they gone into the mountain? Ira is escorted into a room and placed in a chair. The man unties her hands, pulling the cloth from her eyes. Where am I? She asks, her eyes watering from the sudden flood of light. The room is lit brighter than the cave. It's empty, except for a wooden table and two chairs. Her capture moves to stand beside the door, his hand resting on the hilt of his sword, staring straight at the wall opposite of him. Ira stares at his face for a moment, her eyes lingering on the long scar on his eyebrow. A significantly shorter man steps into the room. He is noticeably handsome, with cropped, caramel-colored hair, lips set in a straight line as he stands next to her captor. Something about his presence felt strangely familiar. Had she met him before? A middle-aged woman struts into the room, her head held high, the door shutting behind her with loud thud. She is dressed in fine silver armor, her long auburn hair braided and knotted on the top of her head, her face etched in wrinkles from years of back-breaking work. If it was not for her striking armor, Kaya looked exactly how Ira remembered. Kaya, what on earth are you doing here? Ira exclaimed, jumping out of her chair. A smile spreads across the woman's face. She pulls Ira into a tight embrace, shocking her. No one had ever touched her like this before. I know this must be strange for you. I just missed you so unspeakably much, Kaya whispered into her ear. Ira missed Kaya just as much but she still couldn't fathom why she was holding her. 
the gods were going to spite her for how many sinful acts she had committed today. Ira gulped. Why was she letting such improper behavior occur? Here, let me look at you, my child. Kaya steps back, taking a hard look at her. You look so much like your mother. Ira's cheeks flushed at the mention of her mother. Her father refused to speak of her. It had been so long since she had heard of her that Ira had begun to believe she lived only in her own head. What are you doing here? I apologize. This is not the reunion I'd imagined for us. But your father mustn't know. Mustn't know what? I do not understand. Father has always had your best interests at heart. I know you two did not end on the greatest of terms, but he was always so fond of you. We all are. Greatest terms is a bit of an understatement. Kaya dropped her eyes quickly before bringing them back up to meet Ira's. I've brought you here because I need your help. Ira backs away from Kaya, the blood in her veins turning to ice. What are you talking about? How could I possibly be of any help to you? I have no power. You should really be talking to my father about this. Kaya moves towards Ira, touching her shoulder softly. Take a seat, my love. Why are you dwelling under this mountain? She clenches her hands into tight fists, anger rising through her. Could you have not just sent for me? Did you have to steal me like a thief in the night? Please, my child, sit. Kaya walks over to the table and takes a seat. Come. Ira sits down uncomfortably, her eyes flashing towards the two men guarding the door, their eyes still staring forward. A year after your mother died, your father dismissed me from my position as head advisor. No, you retired and moved away. You are mistaken, my darling. He banished my son Keenan and myself from Vitoya. Ira gasps in confusion. Her father would never do such a thing. Kaya is family. Ira, listen to me. Your father has deceived you. The kingdom is bankrupt. What are you talking about? The money ran out years ago, and because of it, he has decided to sell your kingdom to New Gladian. What a worthless little man, she spits on the floor. Everett plans to run away with all of his newfound riches and leave Vitoya to ruin. That's impossible. He wouldn't do that. I... Once New Gladian takes over Vitoya, their queen will execute our people. Surely they would not. It's true, Ira. They only wish to expand their regions. Ira feels faint. Was her father capable of such evil? Kaya clears her throat before continuing. <clears throat> I know this is hard to accept, but you must. It was I who told your father of New Gladian's plan to murder us all, but he did not care. His only concern was for the safety of you and himself. When I told him royalty is not divinity and that we all deserve to survive, he banished us. Couldn't have anyone disagreeing with his highness. Ira closes her eyes for a moment, weighing all of her words. Could what she said be true? How could her loving father be such a monster? I can give you proof if you need. I promise you, I would not involve you in this mess if there was any other option. You care about your people, Ira. You would not allow every man, woman, and child to be slaughtered. You are kind, intelligent, and you wear your heart on your sleeve just like your mother did. 
If I'm understanding this correctly, you want me to help you overthrow my father, to give up my right to the throne. To whom? You? Kaya reaches over the table, taking Ira's hand softly. You would be queen, Ira. Is your crown what truly matters to you? No. Never. My people must come first. As I thought you would say. With a gentle squeeze, Kaya releases her hand. I will assist you for the good of my people. But you must give me your word. No harm will come to my father. Promise me, Kaya. Yes, I give you my word, child. No harm shall befall King Everett. Ira breathes a sigh of relief, shifting her gaze around the room. Her eyes fall on the shorter man. Keenan. His eyes finally meet hers and he beams at her. A toothy smile. She giggles, exhaling a deep sigh. Keenan may have become a man, but he still resembled the boy Ira once knew. Where had the years gone? How could she have ever forgotten his face? Why don't we get you cleaned up? Kaya smiles. Keenan swings the door open, the stone passage lit by hanging oil lanterns. Ira follows Kaya closely. Where had they taken her? Did places like this exist in Vitoya? As they move through the stone halls, Ira glances behind her, seeing the treacherous staircase carved into stone, overgrown with years of greenery. They turn right and the narrow passage transforms into a vast cavern. Stalactites hang off the ceiling like icicles, a long wooden bridge stretching across a crystal clear blue river. If it had been under any other circumstances, Ira might have found this place beautiful. However, she is tormented with worry, sick with disgust, plagued by betrayal and exhausted beyond all measure. Even though Kaya had always been like a second mother to her, she could not shake the nervous twisting in her stomach. She wanted to go home, to see her father. She had never been this far from her fortress before. The castle was the only place she had ever known. Reaching the other side of the bridge, they walk through a gargantuan rock archway. On the other side is a city made of stone. Ira stares, astonished. Rows of houses fill most of the cave's floor, going farther than her eyes could see. A wooden training ring sits in the middle, the spear and sword armory in view. In the distance, Ira can hear laughing and singing. The place is cheerful and lively. It was not how she envisioned the rebels living. She imagined desolate camps, not this. They were thriving. Where am I? Turning to face the princess, Keenan opens his arms wide. Welcome to the rebellion, Ira. 